This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Ryan Farwell, Bill Cariola, Heather Van Waldick, and Michael W. McClure. And by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity. In the middle of the 21st century, global climate change has caused disaster after disaster. And life on Earth has become difficult. For the vast majority of people. Millions have died. And millions more are dying. And just when it seemed the human race might face extinction, scientists confirmed that a planet orbiting a star not too many light years away was practically a twin of our world. But unspoiled. And people from all over our world banded together for an ambitious project. The construction of four gigantic ships that would race to this new world. Each ship carrying 21 people. And an entire forest with all the life forms that live in it. And at the heart of it all, a massive metal container. Its contents perpetually frozen at near absolute zero. Thousands and thousands of capsules containing human sperm and egg cells. So like the Ark of Noah, this ship would carry the beginnings of a new chance for many of the life forms of Earth. Including humans. Especially humans. But shortly after the ships reached maximum acceleration, ground control stations lost contact with three of these ships. The remaining ship, Konyechny, appeared to be continuing its mission normally until an explosion rocked the ship. A bomb. A primitive explosive device. Deliberately placed so it would damage but not destroy the ship. The only person injured in this blast was the ship's doctor. Christopher Mason. He was the only person injured because everyone else on the ship had disappeared. Including the ship's captain. Deepa Sedana. Who had left a suicide note. And then she had gone through the airlock into space without a spacesuit. Now, Dr. Mason's only contact with humanity is... Sophia. The mission control flight director. Who is smart and demanding and pretends to be unemotional. Where Chris Mason is short-tempered and prefers to do things his own way. But despite their differences, Sophia led Dr. Mason through the immense vessel in search of his missing crewmates. In the course of the search, something else truly strange happened. Dr. Mason heard the ship's captain calling his name. Christopher. Even though Dr. Mason and Sophia both knew that Captain Sedano was dead. Sophia told him that it was just wishful thinking. Because Chris had been in love with Captain Sedano. But later, on Earth, Sophia heard her father's voice calling her the same way. Sophia. And Sophia's father had been dead for years. Both of these voices brought a mysterious message. You, you must, must remain, remain connected. connected. Meanwhile, Dr. Mason has been getting closer to an answer about his missing crew. With the aid of the ship's central computer, an artificial intelligence called Nadia, Chris and Sophia have located an electronic signal coming from inside the ship's forest. The kind of signal that would come from one of the ship's spacesuits. Hurrying to the place where the signal indicated, Chris found the body of his best friend aboard the ship. His medical assistant, Peter Miblin. Miblin's body was at the foot of the tall ladder leading up to the deep freeze container where the precious human reproductive cells are stored. Chris hurried up the ladder and with the guidance from Sophia, prepared to face whatever Peter had done to the contents of the freezer. We want you to walk through the lock, open the door, and look inside. That's all. I just want to know if everything looks undamaged. Listen, I plan to open that hatch for one second and then slam it shut. 
since exposure to that temperature for more than a few seconds would be fatal, I agree with this plan. Okay. Opening the outer hatch and stepping inside. Still receiving you. to me, Doctor. Uh, from what little I could see, the capsules containing all that's best of humanity appear to be intact. Of course, I'll, I'll need to go inside with the proper gear and do a full examination. Understood. But that's going to be complicated because the space provided for humans to walk through in there is pretty crowded. Crowded? since the explosion, I've thought again, day after day, if I could only find where everybody went, if I could just find the rest of the crew. Oh, no. Yeah. I found them. Relativity. Episode 31. In which a mission is terminated. Chris, I'm... I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say. Well... We knew it had to be something like this, some reason why they all disappeared. I never expected them to be in there. No, because that's insane, and you're not. Dr. Mason, it's Marcus. Yeah, I hear you. I was trying to monitor your life signs, but it's always hard when people are in a habitat. I know, yeah, and I'm, I, 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 feel, I feel fine. So, no effects of exposure? It was very... Very cold in there for that second, but no, I had no trouble backing away when I saw... I'm so sorry about all this, Doctor. Thank you, and I... I appreciate you looking out for me. Both of you. All of you. Chris, could you see any reason... I mean, any clues about how, or, or maybe why... I just got a quick look, you know, just, just enough to see that they're all in there, frozen solid. And, and, and uh, Tanya Veselik... You know, Tanya... Human development specialist. That's her, right. Once this insane machine started making babies on the new world, she was going to be in charge of making sure we gave them healthy childhoods. So maybe it's appropriate or something, but she was apparently the last to go in. She's still standing up right in the hatch with, with one arm outstretched, like she was, I don't know, grabbing for something or trying to push the door open, but... It, so when I opened the hatch, I was looking right into right into her eyes, you know, which which are translucent uh, now. They're uh, you know like quartz or opal, you know. Sorry you had to see that, Doctor. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna forget that anytime soon. Well, I'm I'm sure you know you're gonna have to go back in there for another look. Ah, uh, I hadn't really thought about it. It's imperative we gain as much information about this as possible, especially if some part of the cryogenic system has been compromised and is in need of urgent repairs. I, So despite the nasty looks I'm getting from Marcus and everyone else here, I need you to get into one of the other environmental suits, go back into the freezer, and make a careful study of everything you see. Just walk back in there and look around. Doctor, it's Marcus again. I admit I was surprised at this order from the flight director, but the truth is... We really do need to know the full extent of any damage in there. The cryo system in that freezer is directly linked to the life support system for the entire ship. Each can operate independently. 
but they're designed to share resources. So if there's damage to that unit, it could create other problems. No, I don't think I'll be doing that. You're not listening, Doctor. If that freezer has been damaged, it can compromise the current mission. The current mission? Sophia, I thought I thought we talked about this. I thought we'd I thought we'd settled this. No, we've discussed matters surrounding the completion of your mission, but You we... know better than anybody that it was gonna require every member of our crew to make transplantation of the species possible. One person I cannot... know that. I know it better than you do, and that's not what I'm talking about. From my perspective, everything that happens on that vessel is considered the mission. Even though there's no way the original mission could be completed. Correct. As long as there was even the slightest hope that the rest of the crew was alive, we had to consider the possibility that the original mission might be completed as planned. I I see that. I do. But as of now, that mission is no longer possible. So we must shift our focus immediately to the new mission. That's the current mission. You mean me going back into that frozen hell to step over the contorted, perverted bodies of my friends, the only people I've had any contact with for five years, because- find out if there's any damage to the machinery, because if there is, it could affect the way that the ship makes air, heat, and light for you. And we're assuming you'd like to have all of those things for the rest of the mission. You just said the original mission is over. There's a new mission? The new mission is to bring you home. We agreed on this several days we ago. We did not, Sophia. This ship is my home now, and it will be until I get to the new world. By yourself. By myself. Doctor, that's... That's what? Stand by, please. Did you know that he wants to, to keep going? He said something about it. I figured he'd talk it all out with you. I'm afraid he and I have both been making assumptions. If he said anything about that to me, I discounted it as one of his temper tantrums. Sounds like he hasn't been listening to you either. None of that matters if the ship's no longer sufficiently stable for the journey. What's your opinion about that? Prithvi and Daria have been going through the telemetry data, and they've already found multiple issues across a wide range of the ship's systems. Some of them he'd be able to fix with some guidance, but some of them? I'm not so sure. That's what I needed to hear. Mission Control to Klonyechny? I'm still here. Where did you go? I wanted to consult with Marcus and the systems engineering team. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. It's what you do best. I have not been entirely sure we could keep the ship together for the five years it would take you to get back to Earth. Going to the New World will take more than three times that long. I will take my chances. Dr. Mason, we want to be sure you understand what we're saying. The ship has a multitude of problems. And my alternative is what? To come back to the planet that's boiling in its own atmosphere to mass extinctions and new epidemics and where half the great cities of the world have slowly drowned and the there's rest still, are... There's still a few places where life goes on as it always has. What's the average daytime temperature in Europe now? 60 centigrade? Something like that? No. No. If I had my way, all of you would be on spaceships too, getting the hell away from there. We have managed to get four ships away. We hope it's just a start. Right, 21 people on each one. 84 refugees from our dying planet. Fantastic. And then we lose contact with three of the ships. And over here, 20 of the 21 people on the ship are dead. So see, I feel like... I feel like somebody ought to make it all the way. After all the effort that we put into these ships, I I know I can't do it all the way we planned, but... I can stake a claim, right? Raise the flag of the human race? After 16 years of solitude? Well, I'll I'll always have you. You're still young. You'll stay with me the whole way, right? Mission Control will be with you all the way. See? And I'll always have Nadia. 
Nadia, are you monitoring all of this? To the best of my ability, Doctor. You'll stay with me to the very end of the voyage, won't you? As long as sufficient power is provided to my systems, I will, in your words, stay with you. There, you see? She's occasionally annoying, but always informative. My point is you'll be alone on the planet when you get there. We don't know that. We have detected absolutely no indications of intelligent life. Oh, we just haven't seen any interstate highways or heard any radio shows. I, I figure the inhabitants are intelligent but primitive. I'll come down among them with my superior technology and they'll assume I'm some kind of god. Probably fall on their faces worshipping the stranger from the sky. And I'll live out my days as the kind and gentle ruler of an entire race of people who adore me. I never know when you're joking. That's because you have an underdeveloped sense of humor. I see. No, I, I don't know if I'm kidding or not either. I'm just talking. This is how I process emotions. I understand. But in this case, this is exactly why you do have to inspect the freezer. Because if your life support systems are compromised, there's no way we'll keep you alive for 15 years, and you'll have to come back to Earth as fast as you can. Okay, so I... Well, since I've been in the freezer, I know that the spacesuits like the one I wore before, they're too bulky to... I guess that's why I need the, uh, the slimmer environment suit like the one Peter's wearing. And, and where, where... Where do we keep these? Uh, systems, do you have that precise information? Uh, the, the inventory shows there is still one at the rear airlock next to engineering resources. Rear airlock. Okay. Five years and I've never once been back there. So may I assume you're asking because you plan to go back into the freezer? Yeah, sure. What the hell? <laughs> Next you'll be telling me you're doing it because I told you to. <laughs> Don't get carried away. But I was standing here looking at the outside of the freezer and remembering what it was like to see people I, I love completely inert, motionless like statues. And uh, uh, Are we on the private channel? Affirmative. It hit me then that, uh, that you've just... I mean, it must have been very hard to put your sister into suspended animation like that, and, and, and here you are, still carrying on like nothing's wrong. Oh, I just... I'm well-practiced at keeping things like that to myself. You are. You, you, you're always moving forward to the next thing, and that's, that's, that's great, and I, but I know it can't be easy. It is not easy. So the least I can do is not make your life any more difficult by sulking and pouting. So for you, and for your mother, and for Sybil, I will go down to engineering and get the suit, and come back here and and, and make a thorough investigation of that chamber of horrors in there. For what it's worth, Chris, I'm sorry, but we really do need to be in possession of all of the facts. Roger that. Heading back out to the ladder. Always harder to go down these things than it is to go up them. And I'm at the uh, the lift. Is there a name for this thing? The little pulley mechanism that takes people up to the ladder but keeps larger mammals from doing the same thing. On the schematic, it's called the foot lift. Foot lift. Okay. And I'm on the ground. Back to Peter. Taking another look at him. Huh. Seeing something new? As a matter of fact, I am, yeah. His his eyes... I noticed before that his eyes were open. That That's not... There's nothing unusual about that when death comes from a sudden fall. But his eyes look like Tanya's. They look... They're, they're frozen. 
Say again, Doctor. I said his eyes are frozen. It's like, well, his helmet's down here, too. Maybe he left it here before he went up the last time? You said Tanya's hand was extended, reaching out. Oh, my God, yeah. I bet when he forced her into the sub-zero chamber, at the moment she was dying, freezing to death, she pushed at his face or, or grabbed at it. I wish he'd been... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute here. We're listening. We're trying to guess what happened here. Maybe Peter can tell us what happened. Relativity, episode 31, in which a mission is terminated. Written, directed, and produced by Lee Shackelford. Featured in the cast were Alana Jordan, Clarence Brown, Stephanie Lindsay, and Lee Shackelford. The part of central computer Nadia was played by herself. Find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe, hear past episodes, like us on social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity.